This is On the Line. From the capstone to the plains, in-depth coverage, opinions, and analysis of the most heated rivalry in all of sports, all things Alabama and Auburn are right here. Now, you're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law here on Kicks 96.3 AU100 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Or if you're joining us on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, SEC football. We've already got one week behind us, nine weeks in front of us. And week one was fun. I was really excited about what I saw from Auburn, and I know you were excited about what you saw from Alabama, but let's get into it right away, Jeremy. SEC week one takeaways, not necessarily Auburn or Alabama. We'll open it up to the entire SEC. What is one takeaway that you had from last Saturday? My one takeaway comes out of the East, Noah, and it is that there is only one team that can possibly, in my opinion right now, represent the SEC East in Atlanta. You saw these other teams from the SEC East go out and just lay absolute eggs. Kentucky's out of the question now. Georgia, not sure they'll get through this weekend. Their quarterback, they must have had all the eggs in Jamie in the Jamie Newman basket, and it looks really bad. Florida, offensively, probably the best offense in the SEC right now from what I can tell right there with Alabama. Defensively, Lane Kiffin's always going to score, score points, so you can't really look at the scoreboard at what Ole Miss did. But I really do think that Florida runs away with the SEC East. If you just look at Saturday and you and you just look at the, the seven teams in that division, it looks like Florida is the only team that has a chance to win it. I couldn't agree with you more. And it all centers around the quarterback situation in the SEC East. And what's funny is there are so many teams, or at least the teams that we were all expecting to be better this year, i.e. Tennessee and Kentucky, they returned quarterbacks. And I was largely unimpressed with those quarterback situations. I think that they're serviceable, but I don't think that they're capable of surpassing Florida. I don't think they're capable of sneaking up on Florida and causing an upset. Could they sneak up on Georgia? Yes, that's only because Georgia's quarterback situation right now, we haven't seen JT Daniels play yet. Right now, it's worse than those teams, right? And then you look at Missouri, you got a firsthand look at them because they were playing Alabama. Missouri's breaking in a transfer quarterback out of TCU who wasn't that impressive. Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. The SEC East. You say Missouri's not that impressive. That may be the second best quarterback in the SEC East. It was an abysmal quarterback weekend. In the SEC East. I mean, who else in the SEC? Bo Nix had a great day. Well, in the SEC East. Oh, I thought you meant. No, I think Mac Jones was the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the country last week, and I'm his biggest critic. But that SEC East and those quarterbacks, I know we'll get to the Auburn game later. Terry Wilson, everybody in the big-time media should apologize for making people like us believe that he was even serviceable. This guy's not serviceable. I think he's serviceable. I just don't think that he's capable of overcoming obstacles like Florida, like Auburn. Better teams are going to beat him. This guy's not capable. How many passes did he complete more than 10 yards down? He made a couple good throws, and one of them was wide open. Everything else they even attempted. And you can say, listen, Auburn's DBs, I thought they played well. 
but they didn't even run defenders at him. This Kentucky coaching staff had no confidence in their quarterback. And Auburn if Joey, did not blitz. If Joey Gatewood was cleared, I think he if Joey if they knew Joey Gatewood could have played, I think he might have played Saturday. I don't think he's any better at throwing the football. If he was, he'd still be at Auburn. I've but. never been more the only player that could have come out with the amount of hype that Terry Wilson had would have been Jamie Newman, and he already opted out. That's the only <laughs> way I could have been more let down at a quarterback. It was bad. You're right. You hit the nail on the head. I would say 90% of the passes that Kentucky threw were at or behind the line of scrimmage, and I thought Kentucky's game plan was excellent. I was frustrated in the first half because of how well Kentucky was able to run the football, and I think that came down to schematics. You should go and check out Running the Point on Facebook. We do a film room of what Kentucky was doing running the football. They were getting advantages in the pre-snap with numbers, overloading sides with quads and trips. You can go and check that out on Running the Point on Facebook, on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports. You can go and see our film room segment there. It's the second segment in the show if you want to fast forward to it. But they definitely ran the ball really well. But I think what you saw with Kentucky is what you're going to get this year. Decent running team when they play good squads like Auburn, like Georgia. Still defensively, Georgia's a good squad. But they may not score against Georgia. I mean, That's it was right. that bad. Florida still, I think, has a good defense. They're going to struggle to score possibly against Tennessee. Anybody that has a good defense, they're going to struggle to score against because they are one-dimensional. But I think Eddie Grand did a lot with the fact that his quarterback is one-dimensional and was coming off of a, a knee injury. Yeah, and we both came in and saying Kentucky could be the second best team in the East. And it's not. not cl- it's not. They they're fourth or fifth in the East again. And we, I still like Mark Stoops at Kentucky and in the SEC right now. They he's just handcuffed. It's the quarterback that he's got. And I, I, I truly, I truly, I was in on the Terry Wilson train. I've been told for what ten months now. He's the since their bowl game that they were going to be good because he could throw the football. And they were didn't. I mean, everything they did was five yards and in. That was probably my biggest letdown of the weekend. Um, I just, I was just scratching my head. And then the whole SEC is true. I know we've already talked about it a little bit, but that division is not wide open. There is just a one horse race right now. And Florida, I mean, they're at the third leg, and everybody else is just dragging behind. We'll see if Georgia can catch up. And this weekend, we get to see JT Daniels against Auburn. I believe so. He's been cleared to play. Yeah. Whether or not they start him, we'll see. You really don't have any better options behind JT Daniels. If he's cleared to play, then I think it's time to roll with this guy because you're going down to fourth string on your depth chart because Dewan Mathis didn't work out. And he's just young. That felt very much so he's like when blessed. Florida State had to throw out Blackman out there when he was a freshman because DeAndre Francois got hurt. It felt very much is, so like Is that. Arkansas the worst team they'll play this year? Yes. And Other we, than Vanderbilt. I think Arkansas I think Arkansas is bad. And I look at Dewan Mathis, and I'm thinking, okay, if you ever had a, a game to tune up your QB. This is it. This is it. And, dude, he's skipping left and right. He can't hit anybody. He was probably the worst quarterback. He was worst. He was the worst quarterback in the SEC Saturday. He really was. It was it was tough to watch before they put the other kid in. They probably would have done better with Vanderbilt's quarterback. Vanderbilt's quarterbacks are always pretty decent, yeah, just hindered not, hindered by the fact that they got bad receivers and running backs, right? Yeah, it, I'm I'm there is still so much up in the air about so many teams in the SEC right now. So many close games. 
So many, th- so many games going down to the wire. We're coming out saying, hey, Tennessee's got a shot at the East. And they're out here messing around with Will Muschamp coming down to the fourth quarter. I was disappointed with Tennessee that they couldn't separate. But let's keep going talking about quarterback play here because I think that is the real – that is the heart of week one of the SEC because we knew that the SEC was losing a lot of quarterback talent. I mean, Joe Burrow and Tua Tungvaloa left, and LSU didn't really replace that. Alabama, what are your thoughts on Mac Jones – Man, I know I watched you running the point, and you said a lot of it was simple for Mac. I kind of disagree. They took – now, he has playmaking wide receivers. Don't get me wrong. But it's tough to put the ball in some of the places that I didn't think Mac Jones could put it in, that he was able to put it in Saturday. Over the shoulder, double covered, balls where only his guys can get them. Um, reading the defense is a big part of it, too. A lot of throws are open. You can, Listen, we have a great OC. You got a, you got a good quarterback, and you have some great receivers. Some quarterbacks in the SEC didn't make those throws. Bo Nix missed some of those throws. A lot of quarterbacks in the SEC missed a lot of those throws. I can't think of one throw that Mac Jones just should have made that he didn't make. uh, B-Rob dropped a touchdown. Mac Jones could have had an amazing stat line. I mean, he had completed like 10 passes in a row up to that point. I know it's the Missouri defense, but a lot of quarterbacks in this league played some defenses that they should have thrown for 626 on, like K.J. Costello. (laughs) Not that many. And they weren't able to do it. And Mac Jones and Alabama came out, and they took care of business. A lot of it is simple for quarterbacks. And I think that's where your OC makes a living. That's why I think Auburn fans were scratching their head last year. We didn't make anything easy for Bo Nix. Nothing was easy for him last year. That's a good point. And and you want it to be easy for your quarterback. Right. You want your quarterback to walk up to the line, and I got if my first read's open, I'm throwing it. That's football today. Breeze and Rodgers are doing the exact same thing. You want to go through as many as you want to go through as few progressions as possible to get the ball out of your hands and into the hands of a playmaker. I thought Mac Jones was one of the best quarterbacks in college football over the week. He really was. If he was number one, Bo Nix, well, KJ Costello's there right with him. KJ Costello had an outstanding performance. Still two picks, though, which those picks were pretty bad decisions. And I think you're going to get that with KJ Costello a lot this year. How many Some times did he throw it? Like 60? Oh, yeah. He had a I mean, ton of attempts. And so, yeah, I don't know. Still, we've seen 60 pass attempts in a game and a guy not come I mean, away with 623 I mean, Bo Nix is throwing like 200 in a row. I mean, it, without throwing a pick, right? He's at like 200 yes. post completions. But when you throw the ball that many times in one game and you're just... I think the best quarterback performance of the weekend was Costello, and you, you can't deny that. Matt Corral had an excellent day throwing the ball. Oh. He had like 400 yards. Mac Jones is another one. And I think the other guy who's up there in that upper echelon of performances this weekend out of a quarterback is Bo Nix. I don't think Bo Nix made a single mistake against Kentucky. I can't I can't recall even throughout the game. I was like when is when is a mistake going to come? I don't recall a single mistake from Bo Nix. And by mistake I mean like a mental oh he shouldn't have thrown that I type agree. of error. And I don't think he made a single one. He went 16 for 27 throwing the football. That may not jump off the page as overly accurate, but that is an improve an improvement in completion percentage from what he was last year, like 57%, to above 60% in that ball game. I thought he made some very confident throws. I thought he looked very comfortable in an offense that featured a lot of new concepts. Auburn receivers were finally running variations of route trees. Like, there were different routes that these guys were running. There were posts. There were different levels of... There was different depths of of the routes that receivers were running. Like it wasn't just everybody was inside ten yards 
of the quarterback, there were different layers, different tiered off layers to Auburn's passing plays that gave Bo Nix options. And the tail end of that is he had check downs with tight ends. Like tight ends were involved in last week's game plan. People may have seen that he didn't throw to the tight end that often, but tight ends were involved. J.J. Pegues was out there blocking on a play that was specifically designed for Anthony Schwartz. There were check down options for Bo Nix on some longer range plays that just happened to be open for Seth Williams. If he wasn't open, I fully believe that Bo Nix is checking it down for five to six yards, and that's a positive play. I thought he looked confident. I thought he moved around better in the pocket than we saw last year. He didn't drop his eyes hardly ever, kept his eyes downfield. I thought his pocket awareness was the best I've ever seen it, and he threw the ball with such confidence. That's what stuck out to me. And this is just game one. It's only going to get better. I thought Bo Nix – I think Bo Nix has the most upside of any quarterback in this league. I think this year. I agree. He has a lot of upside. He unfortunately doesn't have, he has one weapon. And I don't know. Eli Stove looked looked really good. When you play Georgia and you play teams like Alabama, what do they do well? They find a way to at least neutralize one. A lot of these teams aren't going to let Seth Williams beat him. And Seth Williams is a heck of a receiver. He'll be a top four or five receiver at the end of the year in the SEC. I still think Auburn is. Gus Malzahn will want to find a running game eventually. It didn't really come through against Kentucky. It will get there. The offensive line needs to gel. I thought it was better than where it was at this time last year. It probably was. And this defense is every bit as good as what Oregon's defense was when Auburn played them in week one. And I and it's funny, I was tell I've talked to a lot of people that thought that Auburn's offensive line didn't run block well. I thought the pass blocking was phenomenal for a, just a brand new offensive line against a team that we all knew was going to come after Knicks. I'm comparing this to the two-lane game last year and trying to think. I remember how I was pulling my hair out in the two-lane game thinking, we can't run the ball against a poorly drawn wave. We, we What is this? And I thought Auburn ran the ball easier against Kentucky than they did against Tulane last year. I think there was just a handful of poor carries that dropped the average a little bit. I thought Tank Bigsby, who only averaged two and a half yards per carry, actually looked really good for a freshman running back. I'm excited to see his progression throughout the rest of the year. And I thought Shivers, who largely for majority of the game had above a five-yard average, dropped just below it at 4.8. I thought he did really well, too. I, I really liked what he did, especially on the perimeter. So, But... Let's keep talking about Auburn here at Georgia this weekend. It's the highlight game of the week. What is on the line for Auburn this weekend? I think for Auburn, it is a cross-divisional game. You can lose this game, and it and it will only hinder you if you lose more inside of your division. For Auburn, I think there's a lot of pride on the line right now for Gus in this game because it's one you should win this year. This is, exactly. This is a game, and it sounds crazy because it's kind of like you're scratching. It's like, what is going on at, at Georgia right now? They got a good defense. Come, just nothing going on offense. They have disappeared. If you're Auburn and it's at Georgia and you get the perfect balance, you're going on the road to Auburn and you're going to, to Georgia and Alabama this year and there'll be no fans in the stands, essentially. This is a game that Auburn probably should win. What happens to Gus Malzahn in these situations? This is why Auburn fans pull their hair out a lot. Sometimes it doesn't go the way that it should go. Why does Nick Saban, he normally wins the games that he should win. That's why I think he's one of the greatest of all time. Gus and Auburn not only is a potential SEC Western Division Championship and a a birth to Atlanta on the line, 
I think there's a lot of pride on the line. And I think there's some sanity for some Auburn fans on oh, the line yeah. in this game. Because especially the ones that you live can in Georgia. Beat, you can beat Kirby this year. Oh, yeah. You have the offense to do it. You can beat Kirby bad this year. You don't need the defense to do it. This this Georgia offense is going to be all the defense that Auburn needs. <laughs> now, I'm not sure how many points Bo Nix can score on this Georgia defense because they are fast. They are big. They are physical. It looks like one of the best defenses in the country. And we'll see. Is. It all, And it is. But I just think Auburn is going – I think Georgia's offense and they're just, uh, their just inability to sustain anything horrible on third down last week. Got a great punter, and they flipped the field a lot against Arkansas. But I can see Auburn just – Chipping in a touchdown here, chipping in a field goal here, big play, another field goal. Kind of like they did Alabama in the Iron Bowl last year to where the next thing you know, they got 25 to 28 points, and Georgia's kind of struggling to get a 20. I think we could see a very similar game to what we did last week against Kentucky. Could take a little while for the offense to get going. These two teams are pretty close. You're looking at 15-14 going into the fourth quarter, and Auburn cracks it open there because, well, Georgia's defense back eventually breaks because the offense – can't get anything going. Well, here's what you're going to have more from Georgia. You're going to have tons of depth on defense. And Auburn's offense is going – they're going to have to sustain some drives to be able to go fast. Because the last thing Gus Malzahn's going to want to do is put his defense back on the field a lot. We've seen that over the course of his tenure there. Quick three and out, defense back on the field. And that's when you start giving up points. For Auburn, if they can sustain some drive, get, some, get a first down and go fast, they can catch Georgia in some trouble – I'm just asking myself, and I'll ask you, where are the points for Georgia going to come from? Because we don't, we still don't know right now if JT, Daniel, JT Daniels is going to do it. Are they going to be able to run the football? They have a brand-new offensive line just like Auburn. They always have some good running backs. Auburn's got a good defense. Georgia has a better defense. But Auburn's offense right now, and this is more for how bad Georgia's offense is, Georgia's offense I mean, Auburn's offense is light years ahead, and a lot of teams are light years ahead yeah. of where Georgia is on the offensive side of the ball right now. I have two X factors in this game, and one's positive for Auburn and one's a negative. So take it for what you will, this analysis right here. We'll start with the negative. On defense, I was underwhelmed with Auburn's physicality in the front seven last week against Kentucky. Part of that was schematic. I hate the nickel formation, or at least I wouldn't hate it if it wasn't used every single play by Auburn's defense. That's a big reason why I think Kevin Steele has been, as you've put it, exposed uh, the last te- three weeks. You I texted text that, that to yeah. me, yeah. And last, you were serious. And I say last three weeks. I mean, last three games that Auburn's played, they've given up a lot of yards. They haven't really stopped the run well. They didn't against Minnesota for sure. And the same things that I saw against Minnesota, which is simple, just matching up numbers – if you're in the nickel, that's hard to stop the run because all you have to do is cut the field in half with the center, and then whichever side the ball's being ran to, if you've got an advantage of you've got more blockers than Auburn's two defensive linemen and one linebacker, that's not hard to do. You could yeah. go into a four-wide set and have enough blockers to at least match up three-on-three. Three. Kentucky did a really good job of that. Now, Auburn adjusted in the second half. I felt like the linebackers started playing closer to the line of scrimmage instead of dropping back into coverage as much as they were. They did make an adjustment, and Kevin Steele shut down the Kentucky rushing attack in the second half, only 1.7 yards per carry from the third quarter on, so I'm not going to completely be negative there. But I was worried about the physicality. Auburn was getting blocked out of the picture a lot in the first half. I'm worried about Georgia's running game against Auburn's defensive line, which was not impressive. I just think that Kevin Steele, just like the rest of us, was thinking, all right, we just can't let Terry Wilson beat us. 
And he went in the locker room at halftime and said, this guy has no chance to beat us. That's right. Let's just stack the box. They can't throw downfield. And I do think a lot of Kentucky's issue, and I know, no, you don't want me to bring this up, and they got the life taken out of them before halftime. They, they, they mount a drive. They're going in for a touchdown. They get absolutely screwed by the referees. And Kentucky, their day is over after that. They, they couldn't think. It was almost like their girlfriend dumped them, and they were done. <laughs> they mailed it in for the rest of the game. Completely changed the landscape of the game. I still think Auburn had a chance to win after that. Don't get me wrong, like Kentucky's yeah. going to run away with it. But that is one of the worst calls in the last three or four years in the entire SEC. I don't want to get into... Of course we, you don't. Well, no, we of don't have enough don't. time. We're already at the 20-minute mark of the show. But regardless of what the officials called there, Kentucky goes down. into it on second down here, okay? They have three other plays to score a touchdown and they go with that sequence. No, listen, and Terry I can, Wilson throws an interception. I completely so. get that, but he's still got in the end zone. He can't. We can't just sit around and say, "Well, they have more chances." He got in the end zone. You only takes one chance to get in the end zone. I think a good team though scores a touchdown there, regardless of what the officials do. Like a good team can find a way to overcome one referee mistake, uh, right? There's the a, and the worst one, thing that happened in Kentucky might have been the fact that Auburn got fired up about the targeting call, which was targeting. I'm not going to disagree. It was. I, I hate the was, call. I thought it was a tad borderline. I hate the rule. Yes. Not, yes. It was the right call for the wrong rule, in my opinion. Yeah, I hate the rule. Don't hate the don't hate the don't hate the player. Hate the game. Exactly. Right? I just don't yeah. like the rule. I like in, in for for 150 years of football, like that play has been fine. Last thought here about the Auburn-Georgia game. The positive X factor that I was going to give is Chad Morris. The proof this past weekend is that Auburn looked different, but it was still a surface-level game plan. Auburn did not get too aggressive. They were the right measured amount of conservatism and liberalism in that ballgame when you're talking about play calling. And we were talking about that. We were talking about that last week. Auburn needed to at least open it up a little bit, and they opened it up just the right amount to show Georgia a completely new Auburn that they don't know how to prepare for now because they've never seen it. You've never seen it. But uh, Come on. I mean, people, they got binders six inches thick of Chad Moore's play calls over the last five years. They know. They knew what Auburn was going to do. I mean, they do. It isn't like they, Chad Morris comes in and he nobody knows what he's doing. He's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. And he can get his players to play. It's just a and, new Auburn. And they haven't, to go along with that, they haven't seen the depths of what this offense could look like because it was surface level. So Georgia has no idea, I don't think, on how to prepare for this. The only way to prepare for it is look at Chad Morris at his peak. I mean, at, at so his go pinnacle. Go back to Clemson. Go back to Clemson. Which could be outdated Look at his top. Nah, he's still running the same. He got uh, Lester Deshaun Watson for you, right? And that's, I mean, Deshaun Watson's one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. Don't get me wrong. There's nobody on Alabama's roster that's him. But you can kind of look at that and say, this is what he wants to do. And I saw a lot of those concepts. Bo Nix is moving around a lot more in the pocket. He, that, the he ran high, the ball really well. The high lows are going to kill people this year because that's what Chad Morris does. On both sides, you're going to have a high low, and if it's covered up, Bo Nix is going to tuck it for five. It is That's what it's going to look like. On the other side of this break, we talk about Alabama's upcoming game against Texas A&M. How do the Aggies go from whoa, that nastiness at Vanderbilt to playing a game against the best team in the conference? We'll talk about that here on the other side of this break here on On the Line. You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. 
you're on the line. Now, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. You're listening to On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama, AU100 and Kicks 96.3. Noah Gardner here with you alongside Jeremy Law on your Saturday morning. Thank you for joining us. We'll get to speed round in just a few moments here in this segment. But first, as promised, let's talk about this Alabama game. They're at home at Bryant-Denny Stadium for the first time this year, taking on the Texas A&M Aggies, who had a abysmal or an abysmal performance against Vanderbilt. The line was at 31 going into that game, and they only win by five. Vanderbilt only needed five points to cover there. I am bewildered at the performance by A&M on Saturday. If you're a Texas A&M Aggie, and I know there's absolutely none listening right now, so you got, you, I was talking about somebody else scratching their head earlier, wondering what's going on. You got Jimbo, you're paying him $75 million guaranteed dollars. You have to pay him every cent of his contract. The buy, not, I'm not even sure there's a buy, like it's all guaranteed. You're playing Vanderbilt to open up the season with a senior quarterback who a lot of people have in the Heisman race. A lot of people ranking as a top three or four quarterback in the SEC. And he fumbles three times. I, I just, I just wonder, are Jimbo Fisher's best days were was 2013 his peak? Did he peak right there? It was the best day of his career, the day that he beat Auburn, and has it been a, just a downward slope since then? Well, look at where we are. It's 2020. We're eight years from well, now. Well, I was saying, but uh, you felt like Seven. better day. You, the Florida State program kind of felt like after Bobby Bowden, because even at the end of Bobby, it wasn't great. They were good. They made bowl games. They won nine games, but they weren't there. He got them to a national title for the first time in a long time. That should be, and it, it, people talk about it. Great. He won it. But here we are, Texas A&M. You have every resource in the world, Noah. You have more resources than Alabama. You have more resources than Auburn. You are the richest school in the Southeastern Conference. You can cheat better. Your <laughs> facilities are brand new. And this is the product that you're putting on the field for $75 million. And the people, the trustees, the the boosters, the AD at Texas A&M, they're not, they can't let this go on for long because it's a 10-year, $7.5 million contract, and this is year three? It's not. I don't know what to make of this Texas A&M team. How much stock do we put into it? Because a lot of teams in the SEC looked like Texas A&M looked. Maybe not as bad on some. Maybe some, maybe possibly worse. But how much? I'm, I'm putting a lot of stock in that game. Texas A&M has no chance. ESPN's given, them a, given Alabama a 90.9% percent chance to win. It's a 100% chance Alabama walks out of Bryant-Denny. I'm not going to say 100% and covers because this— I think they cover. I think I think they would cover. I would say 100% cover. They 100% win. This is not even close to me. I think it's, it's 13 or more, and that's with Alabama playing a bad game. Well, stuck out the most about that game, aside from the turnovers, the fact that A&M fumbled five times. They didn't lose all five fumbles, but they put the ball on the turf five times. What stuck, stuck, out, me, what stuck out to me the most was— Kellen Mond had a very pedestrian quarterback performance. It was like under 200 yards passing. It's not like he threw the ball a whole bunch. This is your senior quarterback who should be uncorking it on a team like Vanderbilt. This is the worst team on your schedule. The worst team on your schedule. You didn't uncork it? I mean, it's one of the worst teams. You don't uncork it? Like, I just don't get it. Like, that should be – this guy shouldn't be falling into the crowd – he should be leading his team. Listen, this he is, shouldn't be hurting it or hindering it. What did, did he play all four quarters? Because I, I had my wisdom teeth out last week. I was kind of loopy on a Saturday. 
But his stat line against Vandy, 17 for 28. Okay, not horrible. But you see where he's throwing the football. 189 yards on 17 completions. Mac Jones, the, the other way, one half. 18 of 24, 250, and two TDs, and had a TD just absolutely dropped. This this could get ugly. And for me, Kellen Mond is kind of the what could have been. The, he, I don't think like that about him. I think maybe just overhyped from no, the No, I get it, but that's not what, what could have been. Like he, he, Everybody always told us he was great. Everybody told us that he's going to lead Texas A&M. He's got a quarterback whisper in Jimbo Fisher. Who's Never co- bought it once. And no, I'm not saying I have either, but it's where did this narrative? Where do these narratives start? Is it just senior quarterback? We must be good this year because I, I don't understand. I think they see the times where he has looked good, and there have been times. But there are also the times where he has three fumbles in a ball game, loses two couple of them. picks, yeah. And he didn't have any interceptions on Saturday. He was too busy fumbling the ball. But Listen, the interceptions played. will come, and it could come against Alabama. One thing's for sure. The question was, how does A&M go from Vanderbilt to Alabama? They can't turn the ball over. That's one thing. And I don't know if this A&M team improves leaps and bounds to catch up to Alabama. I think A&M has started somehow with this much experience behind Alabama, who every year has to replace teams or replace players. The best coaching game and best game probably in Texas A&M in the last three years that they've played came in a loss to Alabama last year where they kind of raced up and down the field against the tide and they're not even close to that right now and they're coming into Brian Denny I'm not a betting man but if I was I'd probably take the line I'd take Bama in the points and I'd put a little money on it just they tell you not to bet on the team that you root for Oh, but I just think that this is a freaking (laughs) gimme at this point yeah It's time for Speed Round, brought to you by the Brown Insurance Agency. Life is coming at you fast, just like Speed Round. Make sure you and your family are in good hands by allowing Lance Brown to be a part of your team. He'll make sure that you understand your policy and that you are fully protected. Call Lance Brown Allstate at 334-758-0088 or visit at 3051 Frederick Road in Opelika. Jeremy, same Speed Round as always. We got six topics this week. Try and spend about two minutes on each of them. You ready to go? Ready to go. Question number one, Mississippi State, KJ Castillo broke some records over LSU's head. Is the air raid at Mississippi State legit and sustainable? Not so fast. LSU, I get it. That that they came in this league and he did something no quarterback in this league has never done, including Burrow, including Tua, including Cam, Tebow. I get it. But this LSU team was without Stingley. They figured that out game day. They they have, what, four guys playing that played significant time last year? Not even. Uh, it might, is it not even four at this I point? I don't even know. I think with Stingley out, it was three. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I'm going to have the proof. I just need more proof. I'm not saying it's not going to work, but I'm not saying that it's just not completely. sold yet. I'm not saying it's completely sustainable either yeah. because. It's not sustainable. It's not. I don't think it's. You can't. You will win. This is like the triple option. This is an equalizer in a lot of aspects. Yes. But you aren't going. It's going to force you to lose some games that you're not supposed to lose. Because what did you do in the air raid? When you do, when you have six straight incompletions, guess what? You've punted twice. Right. And you have, you've burned a total of 15 seconds off the clock. Not more than that, but yeah. No, but I'm saying, you know, five seconds of play, sure. seven seconds of play. You it's haven't even killed a minute. Yeah. And your defense, it just... His defense is going to hate him. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> hey, what, at some point this year, the defense is going to coach. Can we run the ball? we got Colin here. Can we run the ball? No, he can catch the ball, too. It's pretty good. That's right. 
I just don't think it, I don't really don't think it's sustainable yet. Now, is it legit? Yeah, they're going to put up some yards on people. When they play Alabama, Auburn, I don't know if they play Florida this year. When they play teams with good secondaries, that's where they're going to get shut down, and, and they they were they will get blown out by some really good football teams in the SEC this year. But they're going to beat teams like LSU that are worse than them. And I think they're going to be better than people thought they were going to be going into this year. I think this experiment's going to work out better this year. But it's not sustainable for a full 12-game season, even outside of the coronavirus. Reasoning for that, it wasn't sustainable for Washington State. Yes, they would win at least six games every year with Mike Leach, and And some years nine. But it was always good for a loss to someone like Cal in the midpoint of the year. They would lose some games that they shouldn't win, just like you said, or or that they should have won. There's just always going to be a game here or there for Mississippi State, and they won't be able to match up with the teams that are better than them either. Question number two, which teams were the most disappointing in the SEC last week? Just one team. I'll go with one and you go with one. I, 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 I have to say Georgia because of where that line was, and they just didn't they get any. They almost got there, though. Yeah, but they, I mean, they had a pit. But you just, it's also about watching the game, right? It's not You can't just always look at the scoreboard. That's yeah. why I kind of like the playoff committee because it's not just, okay, they beat somebody by 50. What did it look like? Arkansas is hanging around this game in the middle of third quarter. Was they were it? winning in the third quarter. Uh, yeah, was it still uh, 7-5 or whatever? It was 10-5 at some point. It was 10-5. 10-5 to at some point. Now, listen, they warmed down because Arkansas couldn't stay on the field, but Georgia, to me, was very disappointing. They're going to – I don't think they're going to win. I know we're going to pick later. I just don't think that they can beat Auburn playing like this. Georgia was not the most disappointing team to me because I think they have the ability to improve. I think there's still room to improve for Georgia. I don't think what we saw on Saturday was like, there's no hope for this team. But I think there's a slew of teams that I could be like, yeah, this team was disappointing. I was high up on Tennessee. I didn't – I wasn't thrilled about their performance, but there's still, I see with them as well, room to improve. There's one team that I do not think will change at all this year, and that is Kentucky. Kentucky and A&M are like the same team, except A&M maybe, I I don't know, A&M might have some room to get better. Maybe A&M's game against Vanderbilt was just this weird mirage, this weird illusion that just occurred, and maybe they will get better because you know they were better than that last year. But Kentucky, what you saw on Saturday is what you got. Everybody was hyping them up this year. I think that they're I, I think they're gonna lose some games that people may have not have chalked them up to lose. Wink wink this weekend. Um, I don't I don't like this Kentucky team because they are so one-dimensional on the ground. Question number three, which SEC team exceeded your expectations? Man, you really I, I just thought it was such a par weekend. It was a par weekend. Like I couple was, teams bogeyed. I don't think that – I don't really – when I look up and down the league, who exceeded my expectations, I can't say Florida because there was a big line. They gave up some points. Now, Kyle Trask in that offense looked really good to me. Maybe it's the, the team Florida that lost. I, I'm not – Listen, Ole Miss was – South gonna, Carolina did. I, li- I expected South Carolina to lose by more than that. I would say this, except Carolina, pretty good. Carolina is – Coach, they're playing for a coach that is uh, he's centimeters from losing his job. I mean, if a, if a first down goes the wrong way and he blows the game to somebody he shouldn't lose, I don't not sure he makes it all the way through this coronavirus season. I think they're fed up with Will Muschamp. He has underperformed. You saw a hot team. Coach, they're playing. There's some pants on fire for him. And still don't get it done at home. I was impressed by their quarterback. Oh, I was glad that they were able to score 27 
on Tennessee. I thought Tennessee was going to be better. It's a little bit of both. I was disappointed in Tennessee not being able to separate. I was impressed by South Carolina because I didn't expect the game to go like that. I was expecting I more like last year, 41-21. I should have said State. I really should have said Mississippi State because oh, that yeah. was impressive. I was expecting that game to be uglier. That one was fun to watch. Remember, I picked last week 21-21 in the fourth quarter, not, you know, 44-34. Yeah. So, State's a good one. Ole Miss exceeded my expectations. I expected them to get blown out. Pretty much anybody that lost that looked better in losing than Arkansas or Vanderbilt, those are the teams that exceeded our expectations this week. Question number four, what is one facet of the Auburn-Georgia game that you're going to be keying in on? I just think it's Georgia's front seven versus Auburn's brand-new offensive line. Uh, the brand-new offensive line didn't – Kentucky, it's like they brought pressure, but Auburn did such a good job of getting the ball out of his hands faster, and they really don't have the guys on the outside to cover Seth Williams. Georgia does. We'll see what it could do. I think it's that – Georgia front four, front seven. How much pressure are they able to get on Bo Nix? Because with this Chad Morris offense, it kind of requires your quarterback to make some reads and make some progressions, and he does have to sit back there a tad longer on a lot of the plays that are being called. So I'll really be watching that, and then I'll tell you if I'm sold on Auburn's offensive line or not. In our first segment, I said the X factor was Chad Morris. We know Gus Malzahn does not have his hands on this offense after what we watched on oh, yeah, Saturday. Right. It was different. Gus typically overthought things. We, you were talking about how he's been disappointing in games like this. The reason is he over he overthinks the game plans. For some reason, he's great against Alabama in game planning. Terrible against Georgia. I, I don't get it. And LSU. Those two, I always feel like he always overthought things offensively. That's not going to happen in this game. But when I'm keying in on Bo Nix throwing the football, does the confidence continue and does he continue to make those plays? Because a quarterback that is good, that is one of the top quarterbacks in this league, and some people had him up there as the best and in that top three. If he's really that good, Georgia's not going to stop him. And no team in this league will stop him. He'll still have a good game. Auburn may not win, but he's still going to have a good game. If Auburn doesn't win this game, I'm not going to say it's because of Bo Nix. But if Bo Nix can't, he's going to have to to will him to win. He's, I think he's only got to score three touchdowns. And if they don't score three touchdowns, it's on your QB. Because yeah, at, at this point in where football is right now, you got to be able to score 20 points, 21 points. I think Bo Nix can do that. it. Yeah. Well, I think he can do it. I think that's how bad. If Bo Nix can't win a game versus this, I know he's not going up against the Georgia offense, but he's got a lot of margin for error in my opinion. Like he can yes. turn the ball over. I think this is one of those games where he can almost just kind of let it go. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about it because Georgia's offense is so bad. Also, you do, you know that Georgia is not going to be able to just boat race you and blow you out. Mm-hmm. Like, there's gonna they're going to take a long time to move the ball down the field. So you know that you do. Now, you may not get the football for a long time if you turn it over. And that could make a big difference late in the game. So you don't want any late game turnovers. But you know that there is some margin yeah. for error in this one. Question number five. What's the one facet of the Alabama-Texas A&M game that you're going to be keying in on I look if back, there is one? I look back on last year's game, and Jimbo Fisher, they did they ran the ball a little bit, but they let Kellamont sling it, and they had a great game plan. They got great route combos. They had receivers running wide open. Now Alabama lost everybody off that secondary, but Pats are tame. They have battles back there, Malachi Moore. I'm going to be watching this Alabama secondary to see what they do because Jimbo knows I can't just come out here and run the ball against this front seven. I watched Christian Harris and Dylan Moses play like um, 2011, 2012, 2013 Alabama linebackers. You're not going to be able to do that. I got to get these young guys in secondary. They're so untested. I think that they could be a little bit of trouble early because it, because of the script. But I want to see how these young guys play. I still think a big win by Alabama, a big win. 
I'm going to be keying in on to see what is Texas A&M made of. How do you bounce back from the embarrassment? You got embarrassed. Let's just be real. I know you won, but you should be embarrassed. You, You should be. And only beating Vanderbilt 17 to 12 with everybody heaping up this much praise, you should be embarrassed with what happened last week. And I think they probably are, and they know that. But how do you bounce back? I'm not saying that they have to win this game. But going into this year, before the schedule got erased, we knew that the original 2020 schedule for Texas A&M came down to one game and one game only for them to get to the college football playoff. And it was against Alabama. Now they've gotten it earlier than they predicted. They've gotten a much tougher schedule than they originally had because they're playing all 10 SEC teams, and then they drew up Florida. A terrible draw for them. But how do they respond? Because they need to start taking some steps forward. They can't just get blown out in this game. They need to see some good things happen and honestly be competitive for a little while. So then you can say, hey, guys, look at what's happened here. Here are some positives. Here are some things we can improve on, but this is what we can build on. They need something to build on. Last question, among the other SEC games, which has your attention this week? 11 a.m. kick, Tennessee and Missouri. I was not at – I'm not so down on Missouri and Drinkwitz right now. I thought their quarterback was good because he was – Alabama's got a good defense, and that was a tough task. And welcome to the SEC, Coach, from Missouri. I know you've been a great coach at App State. But can Tennessee at 11 a.m. with the Missouri team, who I think left the game thinking, we actually aren't horrible. I think that they're okay. Listen, they're not even as good as Kentucky, in my opinion, but in an 11 a.m. kick, can Jeremy Pruitt win a sleepy game? Because I feel like this can be a sleepy game. You know who Tennessee's playing next week? Georgia. Georgia. Uh, Trap game. I'm I'm telling you, this is the one that I'm kind of looking at saying, if Jeremy Pruitt... He can't come out and do what he did last week in this one because I, I I know he won, beat South Carolina, sleepy kick, big game next week. As a Jeremy Pruitt guy, I hate that he's at Tennessee. I'd like to see him take care of business, but this to me feels a little tricky. You know good and well that if Tennessee loses, you're going to be laughing your butt off. And I like, I like Pruitt. I hate, I hate Tennessee, but I, <laughs> I like Pruitt. Among the other SEC games for me, Kentucky Ole Miss, and I'll get to it in picks, but I don't think this Kentucky team is bad, but I don't think that they're good. I just think they're decent, and I think this is I think this is the trademark win for – I shouldn't say trademark because Kentucky's nobody's trademark win, but I think this is the win that gets the lane train started in Ole Miss. It gets the train moving. Right now it's still at the station. I think it gets moving with a win against Kentucky this weekend. That's going to be one of my picks. Coming up on the other side of this break, Jeremy and I will make those picks here on On the Line. We'll get you on. we got a full slate, 12 games coming up here on Fox Sports Central Alabama and AU100 and Kicks 96.3. This is On The Line. Game picks coming up for you here on On The Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Kicks 96.3 and AU100. 
Last segment, we had Speed Round presented by the Brown Insurance Agency. Life is coming at you fast, just like Speed Round. Make sure you and your family are in good hands by allowing Lance Brown to be a part of your team. He'll make sure that you understand your policy and that you're fully protected. Call Lance Brown Allstate at 334-758-0088 or visit at 3051 Frederick Road in Opelika. Jeremy, game picks right here. I barely edged you out last week. We had three games that we picked differently and I went two and one, you went one and two, but we are neck and neck right here. I'm at 17 and three on the year. You're at 16 and four. And I look around and I think, man, nobody's got better records than us. Well, I picked Army <laughs> and so did Herb Street, so I don't feel too bad about it. I was impressed by Cincinnati after that one was over, but it did get me in a hole right here down a, down a game. Cincinnati UCF could decide a playoff spot this year. I think UCF. If, if it's one of those two teams, it's UCF running away with it. But Because the Big 12 may not get somebody in. You're looking at Big SEC's 12, got a team. They're done. SEC's got a team. Clemson, more than likely, because I, I haven't been overly impressed with North Carolina Notre Dame to the point where I think that they can beat Clemson. I think yeah. it'll be a good game, but I don't think they can beat them. So you got SEC team, Clemson, Ohio State, and then a fourth team, which is either a second SEC team, depending on how close the race is. I don't think you should let the Pac-12 in with a six-game schedule nah, this year. I think they're out, too. And then, so does UCF finally get their year where they look? Yeah. They, they got a great offense, man. I'd love to see it. If Texas loses and Oklahoma State goes undefeated, I'm not so sure that Oklahoma State's SOS is going to be high enough for they say, you're in above a year. I don't think, it, I don't think they're going to say... I think if a Big 12 team goes undefeated, they get in. Because the same same argument can be made for the American Athletic team. No, I I get it. I think you may get two SEC teams in at that point. I really do. I just think Texas loses, not this week, but sometime in the near future. In the event, and just before we get to picks here, in the event that there are two SEC teams, it's going to be Auburn and Alabama. I think if Auburn wins this weekend, the schedule's so easy, they're going to be 8-0 going into the Iron Bowl. Let's say they lose the Iron Bowl. They don't make it to the SEC championship. Alabama goes 10-0. Auburn beats A&M the next week. They're 9-1. You're going to have to be choosing between Auburn and Florida at that point. That's a hard. That's a hard one to pick against because you have there's no head to head there, and and so maybe this year would should be the year where we get you know six or eight teams in, and Auburn may not get in in that event. Now that I speak it out, because Florida carries their name carries a little bit more clout than Auburn just does, so that might work against them, especially considering Florida has a pretty good chance to go on ten and zero in the regular season. So that might that might hurt them. All right, time to get into picks. Once again, I'm 17-3. You're 16-4. Let's get it started talking about them Gators, South Carolina at third-ranked Florida, 11 a.m. ESPN. Florida big. South Carolina, every bit of emotional energy, I think, spent last week, and now they're playing the absolute best team in the East. Um, they don't have the horses on offense. To they keep just up. don't. And at Kyle, listen, Dan Mullen has Kyle Trask looking like a Heisman contender. I mean, that's how good he looked week one. What about it's, his tight end? It's one week. And Pitts is phenomenal. I mean, dude, yeah, I <laughs> mean, four it, TDs. That guy, he is a, I don't, I normally don't say a lot of guys are a problem, but he is a problem. And he's going to be tough to stop. Just give me Florida in this one huge. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Florida as well. What, what impressed me about Florida was the fact that Ole Miss scored in the 30s. And Florida was like, all right, we got to score in the 50s. We're going to score in the 50s. And they still covered. Like, that's what it, that, yeah. that, what they showed me was like, if Florida needs to score to win a ball game, they can do it. Number two here, TCU at number nine, Texas, 11 a.m. on Fox. Texas by the skin of their teeth last week. A lot of teams will come out after a game like that and lay a real egg and actually lose. I like Texas. Sam Ellinger, he's going to go all he's around the yard candidate. right now. He's not only a Heisman candidate. I think he's the he's a front runner. He is the front runner right now. Ten touchdowns right yeah. now through two games. He's the front runner. I was going to say Trask is up there. A lot of people were impressed with him. 
But I think Ellinger, the front runner, I think that they actually come back this week in the big noon kick on Fox and, and, and really take care of business. See, I was thinking that the other way. A team almost gets caught last week against Texas Tech. I think they come back this week and try and make a point, try and make an example out of TCU. I think these two teams are pretty separated. Texas' defense was abysmal last week against Tech. I was shocked. But I think Ellinger, once again, has another field day, continues his march for the Heisman. you got to root for the guy. I mean, it, the Longhorns are the love of his life. He's a Longhorn guy for life, and he's getting to be a four-year starter there. I mean, you, you can't help but root for the guys. Bo Nix, but out in Texas. Number three here, Missouri at number one – or at number 21. I can't believe I said number one. Number 21, ten- Tennessee, 11 a.m. I, I said Network. this one. I, th- I thought that this would be a sleepy matchup. I think Tennessee can win this game. I think they're the, they're clearly the better team. I just think this one could be a little closer than a lot of people think it could be. Um, I think Missouri, once again, they left the game last week thinking – we have some things that we can clearly improve on, but we weren't nearly as bad as we – it wasn't as bad as we expected it to be. So who are you taking, Tennessee? I'm going to take Tennessee. I'm going to take Tennessee as well. I don't think – the line is in the is in the teens. I think it's like 14 points. No, it's 11.5, excuse me, so not in the teens. It's at 11.5. I hate that line because I don't think Tennessee's capable of beating a team by two scores because – their offense is so up and down. I also think their defense, they're just kind of average, it feels like, on both sides of the ball or above average on both sides of the ball. So I hate that. I hate that line because I, I I think that they are two touchdowns better than Missouri, but I don't think they're actually going to beat them by two touchdowns because one of the two sides of the ball is not going to hold up their end of the bargain. And, and it may be the defense this week because they didn't do it last week against South Carolina. I thought the offense got the job done. Defense didn't. I do like Tennessee in this one, but it is a trap game because they, they could look ahead to Georgia next week. NC State at number 24, Pittsburgh, 11 a.m. ACC Network. I picked I picked against Pitt last week. Not doing it again. I think NC State's bad. Pitt, I think they're a credible uh, top 25 team. They'll, I think they could finish the year in the top 25, honestly, with how bad the ACC is. Give me Pitt in this one. I really like them. I think Pitt's a worse version of Kentucky in the ACC. I don't they don't like play them. as many good teams. I don't think that they're good. I think, I think they're just above average. they got a good defense, and their offense only scored 23 against Syracuse, 20, uh, 21 against Louisville. Or, excuse me, I, I got that flip. 21 against Cuse, 23 against Louisville. Those aren't good defenses. NC State's defense, though, horrible. They're giving yeah. like 42 a game right now to open up the year. I'll take Pittsburgh at home, but I still don't think this is that good of a team. Number 13, Texas A&M, and number 2, Alabama, 2.30 p.m., CBS. I'll make this one easy for you. I'll just go ahead and say it. Alabama's going to cover. You with Alabama on this one? Yeah, I'm not sure they'll cover. I think it's a blowout. If it's, if, it's a big, if it's a big lead at halftime, Bryce Young and the boys will come in. Nick Saban, he, I think he is understanding that this isn't the, the year to – let your quarterback go there and make his Heisman campaign. If you want to win a national title, you got to get some guys some experience. Number 12, North Carolina at Boston College, 230 ABC. North Carolina, not super impressive this year, but I'll take them in this one. I feel like they could get that train rolling. I really do. They've got the talent. It's just a start and stop year for them because they played their first game. Last week they didn't play, and then now they're playing a team that's known for having a tough defense year in and year out. Boston College is not an easy out for anybody. They're always going to play you tough. They're going to be super physical. North Carolina took a little while to get going against Syracuse in week one. This is a tricky game for North Carolina considering they're having to go all the way up into the northeast at a at a time of year where the weather starts getting a little icky up there too. So I like North Carolina this one, but I don't think it's going to be an easy easy one for them. And for a team that as many people were high up on, 
they, they're not going to look great these first three weeks, but I do think they get it going as the year goes on. I'll take UNC. Texas Tech at Kansas State, 230 FS1. A total of two teams right here. One of them upset one of the best teams in the country. The other one was on the brink of doing it and absolutely collapsed. Does Texas Tech, have they lost all their emotional energy? Has Kansas State lost all their emotional energy? They, they kind of played the same game last week. One of them won, one of them lost. I just think... I, I think Texas Tech comes back with a win this week. Kansas State, they, I don't know how they beat Oklahoma. That's who, right. Who did they know. lose to week one? They lost to Arkansas State. Yeah, I mean, come on now. So Not was, Louisiana, was, Arkansas State. I, I, I think Texas Tech <laughs> wins this game, and it's going to be a bad stain for Oklahoma when they do. Kansas State played probably their best game they will play all season last yep. week against Oklahoma, they're going to return to normal. I'm with you. I think they picked – I'm going with Tech to win this one because Tech – they fell just short, but you can take that as a moral victory. I, I think Tech going in that game is like, man, we shouldn't have been in that game, and we almost won. I think you feel more confident moving forward if you're Tech. This one just shows the cesspool nature of the Big 12 this year. You beat the best team in air quotes. I don't think they are. I wasn't overly impressed with Rattler in Oklahoma last week. I thought there were a lot of mistakes. He used the first quarterback at Oklahoma the last few years. To The other ones have been transfers, right? He was the first – was he redshirt freshman now? Yeah. He played like a redshirt freshman. You go and you beat the best team, but you lost to Arkansas State two weeks ago. Yeah. You know, it's just a very, very topsy-turvy league, but I do like Tech in this one. Ole Miss at Kentucky, 3 p.m. SEC Network. You like Ole Miss in this one. Man. I do. Ah. Ole Miss is going to expose Kentucky this weekend. I don't think they expose Kentucky. I just think they show everybody what Auburn already showed everybody, which Terry Wilson does not have the ability to push the ball down the field, and I have seen Lane Kiffin score. And that's all I kind of needed Against to see. a good team. Yeah, that's all I kind of needed to see in, in for the 2020 campaign for Lane Kiffin. He's not going to beat Alabama. He's probably not going to beat Mississippi State. He's not going to beat Auburn. I think he might beat Mississippi State. But I think that – I just don't know how Kentucky's going to score enough points to, to win this game. I like, right. I like Ole Miss too. And that one-dimensional offense, as bad as Ole Miss's defense was, the fact that Kentucky's one-dimensional, you know, this is what I have to key in on. It makes it a little bit easier. It's like what you said about Georgia. The Kentucky offense is all the defense Ole Miss needs, I think. And I'm not that down on Kentucky. I just think Ole Miss sneaks up on them here. Arkansas at 16, Mississippi State, 6.30 p.m., SEC Network alternate. Will we ever pick differently this week? I think we're going to pick every single game the same. We always say Mike Leach loses a game that he shouldn't lose. Get out of here. This one's not the one. That's Arkansas right. is bad. And I don't know how they probably played – Georgia, the way their offense played last week was probably the worst offense that Arkansas plays all year. Just abysmal. They couldn't do anything. Costello and this guy, Leach, they're going to find a way to get... Did you see the bandwagon video from Mike Leach? Mm -mm. They put put him on one of those Oklahoma-covered wagons and had some horses on it, and then they had the band on the wagon, and then he asked anybody, hey, if you want to get on the bandwagon, come on. It was kind of funny. It's a Mike Leach thing. I like Mike Leach, and I think that he's going to give it... Mike Leach, if he can give it to you... He's going to give it to you, and he's going to give it to Sam Pittman this weekend. State, uh, I'll roll with what you said. Air raids coming but to Starkville for the first time. They got a lot of grassland to park the plane. So, 18, Oklahoma at Iowa State, 630 ABC. You picked against the Cowboys last week, and I told you not to. I told you West Virginia wasn't good. You told me Army wasn't good. Okay, I get it. I still like Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma. This is Oklahoma. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, no way. The Sooners lose back-to-back games like this. I, I don't know why I thought that I love said the audible State. There. I'm sorry. I don't, and then did, see the Oklahoma State Iowa State game didn't even make sense to me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like Oklahoma. That is I'm completely my bad. Oklahoma in this one. They don't. They don't lose back-to-back games. I don't know if this OU team is top ten though. 
I, I saw enough last week to, to believe that this team may not be top but this 10. Iowa State team lost to Louisiana Lafayette, right? Yes, yeah. and then came back and beat TCU last week. So, once again, the Big 12 is a cesspool. 20 LSU at Vanderbilt, 630 SEC Network. Oh, you know what pick I want to make. Uh, not, but I want know. I want Derek Mason to rub it all over uh, at home, but This would be the win that could save Derek Mason. This is the game that his guys need to go out there and get. At what point do these LSU guys mail it in? They're looking to their left and their right. They're dropping like flies. It's not the this war one. of attrition. They beat. If you Vanderbilt. lose this one, they mail it in. Well, do you have the line in front of you for this one? Oh, I don't. I, I don't have it either. I don't think it's going to be as big as a lot of people would think this game would be. I think I think Vanderbilt's got an okay defense. They're going to struggle on offense like they have for since James Franklin left. This was not as bad as. It could be. I like LSU, but I think Derek Mason get his guys up for this game at, at the least. LSU's going pick to win. It, I hate this pick. Take I it. hate it. This is the type of game that Derek Mason's guys show up for. You know they're a tough out in the SEC. I just don't think they have any horsepower on offense. Maybe they don't need it. Maybe LSU's defense is that bad. But throw away from Derek Stingley. Don't throw his direction whatsoever. Don't throw across the middle. I, I I don't know what Vanderbilt has to do to win this game because they, they just don't have the horses on offense. And Miles Brennan, as bad as he looked at times, still threw for 300 yards. Yeah, LSU's got enough in the tank to the win Dak this. It's the Dak Prescott effect. Like, if you when you're down and struggling, you got to throw the football. Miles Brennan ain't throwing for 300 yards this weekend. Number seven, Auburn at number four, Georgia, 630 ESPN. I hate to go up and down the line and pick the same teams. I just don't think Georgia can score enough points. I told you were crazy two weeks ago when you said Auburn would beat them. I'm still not like Auburn's gonna win. Like this is Welcome. gonna be a dominant. But but you you can't act like you came out and you just could nostradamusly predict Georgia to be as bad. No, I did not expect them to be as bad as they were. I was laughing all after between at, LSU and Georgia hey, struggling. Listen, it was hilarious after watching the Auburn Kentucky game. I'm sitting there thinking if Georgia, when Georgia plays today and they are just close, when they're playing, if they can just be somewhat just efficient on offense, not great, not just, not even maybe in the good category that they could win this game, but they're not in the good category. They're great on defense, but defense don't win games anymore. I really don't think it, it helps you win games, but you got to score some points. And I just don't know where the points for Georgia are going to come from. Auburn breaks through a wall on Saturday. And what I mean by a wall is Georgia's the last obstacle before this schedule gets super easy before you play Tennessee in November. Auburn will be 7-0 and going into that Tennessee game. They're going to be 8-0 and going into the Iron Bowl. This is the beginning of Auburn's college football playoff run this year. Will Auburn get into the college football playoff? I don't think they're going to beat Alabama at the end of the year. Beating Nick Saban in back-to-back years, teams just don't do it. Ole Miss is the only team to have done it in his tenure at Alabama. I don't think... Auburn's going to beat them for that lone fact. It's just there's some mojo there. I don't, I don't know how Auburn's going to do it back-to-back. I think it's going to be a heck of a ball game. I just have a vibe that Auburn's not going to be able to just beat them two years in a row. But Auburn's going to be 9-1 and at the end of this year, and Auburn's going to have an excellent year. Auburn fans are going to be super pumped to see how well Auburn's going to play from here out. I take Auburn by 10 in this game. I think they're leaps and bounds in front of Georgia, and I think they get better this week. I think last week, the only reason why Auburn didn't beat Kentucky worse was because the offense wasn't completely clicking in the first half. And the reason for that is first game of playing football in over in almost a year, you know. This week, Auburn's offense clicks from the start. So I'm taking the Tigers by 10 at least. 
And that'll be how we wrap up on the line this week. Another edition of the show in the books. No Gardner, Jeremy Law, back with you. Same time, same place next week. You know where to find us. God bless everybody. Thanks for listening to On the Line, a product of Radio Alabama Sports. To follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, find Radio Alabama Sports. For more episodes and show notes, visit RadioAlabamaSports.net.